Well, I want to jump into my message for you today and want to spend a few moments with you on, uh, on really, you know, continuing this idea of the year of planting. I started sharing with you guys last week and how many guys walked away with something last week that kind of maybe challenged you or provoked you in a new way? Um, we did the, uh, the activations. Uh, last week we had a very unique service. We started uh, with a soaking time and really doing some reflection on 2020. Um, then we handed out a, another activation sheet for 21. Um, I, was, I had thought maybe we would get to it in the service, but we sent it home with you guys. Was anybody able to do that this week by chance? Yeah, a few of you guys there. Um, see a couple of hands. Awesome. And I, I really think it's important to spend time focusing ourselves on what we believe is possible in uh, the year 2021 and getting ourselves uh, ready. Because how many know that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities for us to govern our behavior in ways that may be challenged like we've never been challenged before than this coming year. And which means we have to begin to set our heart in position to know what we're going to do before things come. You know, one of the things, uh, it's been super fun, and we've kind of talked about this. Um, there's, a little, there's, a, there's a little mini um, uh, cryptocurrency club here in the church, and uh, Scott Fox is the captain. And, um, and so, uh, but it's been, you know, these markets are really volatile, right? I mean, they're insane, and they're very high risk. And so, you know, when there's when you're working with volatile things, you got to have a strategy about how you're going to behave when things are chaotic, when things move up, when things move down, because it can be very emotionally draining to experience the extremes. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And so, you know, so similar to like investing, you know, and these types of markets, you got to have a plan. When am I going to exit? When am I going to take profit? You know, when am I going to pull out? When am I going to hedge? When am I going to do these different things? And so the world's kind of like that right now. There's volatility in the world right now, and we cannot afford just to be emotional. Come on, somebody. And anybody ever been emotional before and you bought something and then you regretted it? Buyer's remorse. Anyone ever? Come on, I've been there 38 times, you know. And, um, and so, it's, so there, there's, a real, there's a real need. I, I made a very emotional purchase one time. Um, I was, uh, how, how old was I? I'm going to tell on myself here. Um, I was actually uh, um, unofficially, um, wasn't fully engaged before Melissa, um, but I, I bought a ring, all right? I bought a ring for a girl I was dating and I think I was 19, and so very young, right? And, uh, but, you know, I was a good homeschooled Christian boy, wanted to get married as soon as possible, you know? And uh, the church did that for a while. We've gotten away from that. That's probably a good idea. Um, anyways, uh, I just wanted to get married so bad. And uh, so I bought this ring, and it was uh, just a weird situation because the girl was dating one of my closest friends, and we were in a band together. We were starting a band and so we were, um, we were really wanting to make it, you know, be a rock star. And so, uh, and so I was dating his sister, and we thought we were going to get engaged. I bought, you know, um, uh, a ring from, I don't know, the, one of these K-jeweler type places or whatever. I think I spent 800 bucks on it, and, uh, which was a lot of money for a 19-year-old in 1998. And so, uh, but then things went awry while I had the ring. We broke up, and she knew that I had the ring, though. And so we were start, trying to start this band. And so what I did is I took the ring back and I bought a drum set with the money from the ring. 
And the drum set was in their basement because that's where the band was going to rehearse. And uh, I, I, I mean, can you guys see where the story is going? I mean, this, this was a, a series of emotional purchases, you know, that uh, things were not being thought out. And so um, I didn't have a plan, and, that, and my emotions were about to come against me. And so, you know, during volatile times, being 19 and emotional is volatile, amen? And so, but, you know, in these times that we're in, you know, we had an unprecedented week, right? You know, we just, I think it's important to engage and be aware of what's going on and acknowledge the fact that we have to be people in this time and in this season that are centered on the word of God. We are centered in the heart of God and that we are preparing ourselves to make sure that we are unshakable and unwavering in the kingdom while chaos may or may not be around us. Come on. And so, you know, we have spent, you know, the last eight years growing people and and working with people and and, uh, you know, you guys and many others. um, You know, we've kind of been like a college program. Honestly, it's kind of how I've seen the story of Gen 1. People come in and they graduate and and then they take their skills and they go get a job somewhere. And, uh, and, And so there's been we've been high on development. And in this process, what we wanted people to be ready for was to know how to let the spirit of God lead their life. Like, if there's something that we've championed here as far as a pursuit of saying this is the main thing, it's that we need to be led by the Spirit of God. Can I get a big amen? And so, you know, it's interesting because in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, I'm going to pull this up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is where I want to start today. And and then I'm going to get into some more of this um, planting um, of the seed uh, as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse uh, verse 4, it starts to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And I think it's really important um, for us to be reminded about the tools that we have. Look at your neighbor real quick and say, you have a toolbox. So... You're about to need your toolbox in a new way, in a different way than maybe you've used it previously, right? And so it says in verse 4 that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Everyone say the prophet of all. And then it starts to list them, right? We know the nine gifts. It says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. Everyone say the word of wisdom. And then the word of knowledge. Thank you. And to another faith by the same spirit, faith. To another gifts of healings by the same spirit, healing. To another the working of miracles, miracles. To another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. Interpretation, right? And so these nine gifts are Paul's summary of your toolbox. The, this is your supernatural toolbox. These are the tools that we need to learn how to master so that we cannot be a problem but be a solution. 
So there is, there's, an, there's an invitation growing in the culture right now to want to go to a different toolbox. A fearful toolbox. A stressful toolbox. Uh, I need to wrestle with flesh and blood toolbox. A carnal toolbox. Yeah? You know, anger, words, force, all these things that are here. And, uh, and, and so as we're being invited into this <laughs> as a civilization, this is a, a global issue really, ultimately, um, we have to understand what we what we have what we've been given in our nature and what we've been given in our nurture if you will and so i really see that it's important that the gifts of the spirit of god have been given and in the in conclusion of verse 7 it says for the profit of all your when you operate in the gifts of the spirit it should be profitable for the person who's the beneficiary of that experience. Yeah? If I start prophesying over Scott, it should be a profitable experience for him. If I start prophesying over Andrew, it should be a profitable experience for him. If I start, you know, speaking in tongues with Gail, it should be a profitable experience for her because the gift should be profitable for who? For all. There's a responsibility that comes with the gifts. You know, and as a house, we've pioneered in these places. And I mean, how many guys have, you know, done a healing training here at Gen 1? You know, I mean, how many guys have done a prophetic training here at Gen 1? How many, I mean, we can keep, how many guys have seen a miracle here at Gen 1 before? How many guys have had a word of knowledge here at Gen 1? How many guys got training on a word of wisdom here? I mean, we have rehearsed these things because we are devoted not just to have, you know, um, over-the-top, you know, crazy encounters. No, it's actually to get you ready. You know, I, I, there are some people who are like, hey, what's it going to be like to raise kids in this next era? Can't believe it. It's going to be so hard. It's like, um, no, I, like, that's what this is for? This isn't for the easy moments. This was given to us for the hard moments. I mean, Psalms is not the, the, the road paved with riches. Everything's fuzzy, peachy, kumbaya. The Psalms are David lamenting about how difficult his life was, but about how he needed to, to connect with the Lord, depend on the Lord, find strength in the Lord, be renewed in his strength by the Lord. Come on, this is what the, this is what the word of God is. It's that I was able to overcome while having God lead my life. You have to realize that you were made to overcome, but your path to overcoming is not being smart. Your path to overcoming is not being at the right place at the right time. Your path to overcoming is not who you know. The path to overcoming is not how much money you make. The path to overcoming is letting the Spirit of God lead you in the midst of adversity. And that's what we need right now. We need unwavering believers we need solutionaries who are willing to be unshakable in the midst of adversity. You know, and, and depending, you know, how, you know, how you bend politically, you have a different interpretation of what the, the conflicts are right now. Yeah? And so, you know, oftentimes, I was, I was telling Melissa the other day, she got into a, a conversation with someone about politics, and it didn't go very well. And she's like, Drew, why did I even get into that conversation? This was so stupid. I'm like, yeah, it was. You're right. <laughs> You're right. 
You know, because there are, there are people who want, there are people who enjoy, yeah, have, have you ever met the, um, the, uh, the, the adult who kind of gets involved in kids' situations and things escalate because they're kind of provoking things, you know? And, and that's kind of how I see our political system. It's a conversation by two-year-olds. And, and there are some other people who are stirring the pot and trying to get us all to have a two-year-old conversation. Yeah? And, and, and so there, are, there is a, you know, politics are about leverage. How many guys have ever, you know, let's, let's think about leverage real quick. You know, I could, um, I could, you know, stick this microphone stand in here and then begin to pull back to try to pop that pew forward, right? And through leverage, I could try to do this. Now, that might be a heavier item than me. I might not be strong enough to do it by myself, but if I have leverage, I could do it. Now, I have no leverage right now. Why don't I have leverage in trying to do this? What would increase my leverage? Length would increase my leverage, right? So if I had a 20-foot beam I could, that would arch out here and bend a little bit, I could crank back on that thing, and then I would gain leverage. Well, politics are a 20-foot beam. And that 20-foot beam is trying to wedge into your life to try to provoke you and to get you into a posture that's outside of the kingdom of God. And, and when, you, when you're over-leveraged, when you buy into a system that's trying to over-leverage you, you end up, you end up compromising your, your toolbox. You start using other tools. Fear, mistrust, whatever, anxiety, worry, all the things, um, and jealousies, and, and all kinds of insanity. I mean, it's in, it's in Galatians chapter 5, you know, before the fruits of the Spirit, you know. And so we have to, you know, it's important to realize that you've been getting trained for this moment. You're alive in this moment, led, full and led of the Holy Spirit, so that you can overcome. You need to realize that you, God knew everything that was going to happen and, and thought of you for this era. There is something inside of you that was made for this era that's going to help the church overcome. Come on. And so we, we got to be focused right now. We cannot be... We cannot be um, over leveraged. We can't be bought into a into a two party system that just takes advantage of all of its voters. Both parties do. I mean, if, if you're hyper loyal to the system and you think the politics are going to save the world, how many know you're just a puppet on a string? Yeah. I mean, don't matter red or blue, whatever, all the things. And so it is important for us to realize what is governing our life. You know, one of the things I spend a lot of time in my coaching program doing is helping people to define their internal controllers. Internal controllers. And I want to give you right now the, the spirit-filled internal controllers to govern your external behavior. You know, there is, uh, I, I remember it was, it was super fun memory. Um, Gail was on a trip to Haiti with myself and a team. We went down there and we did our, our School of Discipling Nations. And um, how many went on that trip? Other than the 14, 15 of us, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And lots of you guys in the room are probably there. And, uh, and so we're there and um, we, uh, the, the, the owners of the hotel and the place where we're staying was Oceanside. It's beautiful in the Caribbean. 
And uh, they were like, we want to do, do a big party. It was a Super Bowl night. So they brought out, you know, this great um, uh, band. And they had these dancers. And it was, like, super cool. And, you know, and it didn't take but, like, 30 seconds for one of these dancer guys to realize that Gail knew how to dance. Because the whole time, Gail's just doing her thing, you know. Whatever her thing was, she was doing it, you know. And I uh, watched it, and this guy just came up to her, and he's like, come on, Mama Gail, let's dance. And so all of a sudden, they're dancing, and, and like, Mama Gail can cut a rug. I mean, Mama Gail can cut a rug. I mean, it's amazing. And uh, there is something inside of Gail that when she hears music, she decides to govern her behavior in a sense to respond to that music physiologically. Don't be embarrassed. It was amazing. I thought it was fantastic. I love to dance. I met my wife dance, swing dancing. I'm all in. I'm here. That's great. And so, but how, how many of you guys, if you heard a band, your first reaction wouldn't be to start dancing? Anybody in the room? It's okay to say that too, right? Any introverts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few of you guys? Awesome, right? And, and why is that? Well, it's because your internal controllers govern your external behavior. And so what's important to understand right now is that you have built-in responses according to your external controllers that are going to dictate your behavior when you are faced with opposition, when you're faced with a challenge, when you're faced with difficulty or challenging situations, you have an internal controller that works as a gate and, and it opens you up for experiences or it closes you off for experiences. And so... Excuse me. And so in the natural, your internal controllers are your core values. If you've not defined your core values, you need to do this. This is part of your internal controllers. Your superpower, what's the unique thing that you've been gifted to do by God that is a breakthrough for other people, yeah? Um, the people you relate with. How many know that there's some people you just get along with and there's some people you don't? Right? There's some people that they might, they might be able to help you get something done, but you just don't like them, you know? Like, I, I, I'll work with you, but I don't want to go on vacation with you, <laughs> right? So there's unique people that we have a, um, you know, it's, there's actually, um, you know, scientifically, there's a lot, there's a reason for that. And it's all about the, the pace and the motion of the energy inside of us at, a, at a, an atomic level, of how we relate with other people's energy, actually. Because their energy, this is not new age, there's actually, we are all a ball of energy, and the energy of the neurons and all the things that are moving in your life, I'm not a physicist, but you'll get it, um, are, are bigger than your physiology. So your spirit is bigger than your body, and the energy of what is happening um, is, is significant. And I know I've, I've always seen the example of, you know, the, uh, the particles that make up the mass of who we are are the size of a softball. And the energy that comes with that particle would be the size of a stadium in proportion. And so you feel your skin, but there's, there's a multidimensional thing happening here where you're actually more energy than you are mass. This is science. And so, so what that means is that that's why when someone walks in the door, you can feel them. You feel the energy, the motion of, of them at an atomic level. 
All right. And so there, there is, you know, you meet someone who's like, you know, we talk about negative Nancy. You know, it's kind of an old thing, you know, but um, I don't, I'm sorry if there's any Nancys in the room. I, I, I don't know. Now we call them Karens. You know, like, hey, stop it, Karen. Um, uh, listen, Linda, why are they all female? I don't know what's going on with that. We need to probably need to change that. Um, and so there is, but we feel that, right? And so there are people that we relate with. There is a problem that we solve. Um, and, and so there are commitments that we make. And so, number one, your core values. Number two, your superpower. Number three, the people you relate with. Number four, the problem that you solve. And number five, the commitments that you make to yourself, to God, and to others. All right, and so in these five areas or in these five arenas are make up your internal world of how you govern your life and what dictates your behavior. Yeah? And so, so core values are the things that we adopt that define how we behave when there's not a set of rules on how to behave. How, you know, no one's in charge of how, what time you go to bed and what time you wake up, right? You're in charge of that. There's no rules. So what dictates how you behave? Well, your core values do. And so it's important to do discovery on those things. And so um, your, your, your core values are, are very, you know, are significant. And so you need to have... Um, these internal controllers defined. Now, spiritually speaking, there are spiritual internal controllers. Yeah? I want you to turn with me in the Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And in verse 22, it gives us the recipe. You guys know this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Come on, there is no law. These are the supernatural internal controllers that you have and that you need. And so there is, there is a need for us to begin to assess how much are these things actually governing our life. Come on. Your success in responding as a kingdom citizen in the next 12 months is directly connected to you becoming aware of the five things I just listed. Okay? And that's in your nurture. But in your nature, what, how God made you, these are the governing controllers of your life internally. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love. Is love governing your life? We got to know that that's true. Is joy governing our life? Is peace governing our life? Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self-control. Are these things actually governing our life? And so we have a responsibility to measure whether or not they are. Because you're responsible for the choices that you're about to make, either emotionally or intentionally. One of the two, yeah? One of the two. We get to, we get to choose. And so, you know, in the, in the drum up of, of what's going on right now, you know, I believe we have a responsibility to stand for the gospel of peace. My feet are shod with the, uh, with the preparation of the gospel of, of peace. And, and, uh, and, and this is a reality of how I stand in the earth. And, and we have a responsibility to understand how to represent Jesus in the midst of conflict, don't we? 
And so there is a need to stand for truth and yet also a need to understand how to handle my brother from a kingdom perspective. And so what does it look like for us to engage these internal controllers so that we can measure our behavior according to the things that we say our life is governed by? We got some big choices to make. I saw a lot of people who have a lot of conviction that they're right this week behave in a way that didn't look like Jesus. Yeah. Are you too? Oh, really? And it wasn't just a party. This wasn't, this wasn't just one group of people. It's, it's the world. The world without Jesus behaves very emotionally. And we have to be anchored in Jesus right now. So that the hope of their salvation, the hope of their redemption, the hope of their reconciliation can be founded in the midst of this adversity that we're stepping into. We have some powerful decisions to make. What does it look like to govern my life in love? What does it look like to govern my life in peace? I mean, we could spend actually, I mean, if every service we just came in here and pursued peace I mean, Sharon, that'd be, a, that'd be a good week for us. Honestly, we could sell out in all of 2021 that every time we get together, all we're doing is cultivating greater revelation of peace. I mean, ha- anyone ever gotten a, a revelation of peace before? It's a life-changing experience. And maybe we need a little bit of that, you know? It's like, maybe we need to double down on what's actually true about the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he paid for, what he thought we were worth, as we talked about earlier. What does it look like for us to actually say, no, I am unshakable to behave opposite of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to commit myself to govern my internal world so that my external behavior is profitable for all. Oh, hey, hey, hey. Come on, somebody. Is this all right? Two of you like it. Awesome. Means I'm stepping on everyone else's toes, and I like that too. And so we, we got we, we to gotta, we gotta understand what's going on here. We have to make sure that we are not partnered with the wrong spirit. And so when we think about, you know, so this is our, the nature we've been given in the supernatural, in our internal world. And Corinthians chapter 12 is the nurture. That's the growth piece. That's the things that we, that we have to grow in skill. These are the things we have to desire. And so you were made in the image of God. You were made to have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. If you're led by the Spirit, it'll be there. If you're lacking love in your life, I would propose that there's a higher conclusion of being led in the Spirit in that circumstance available for you. Come on, if you lack peace, we need to go back to the Spirit of God. If we lack goodness, we need to go back to the Spirit of God. If we lack self-control, we need to go back to the Spirit of God. I know a lot of people jumped off social media this week. Why? Because they were emotionally involved at a level that they were compromising their peace. That's a smart decision. Because nothing is worth compromising your peace over. There's so many things that you can't control, but what you can control is you. You are responsible for you. You are responsible for the decisions that you make. And we as a house need to stand not for a party, but for the kingdom of God. And I, this, is, this is my position. This is Drew Neal's official position. I stand for the kingdom. I stand for the kingdom. That's what I stand for. 
I don't stand for a color. I don't stand for a specific group of people. I don't stand for a specific race. I stand for every single person in the kingdom of God. And those who don't know that they're in the kingdom, I stand for them too. I stand for the kingdom. And I will not take the bait of Satan to take on the spirit of the accuser in this time and in this place. I will not be the accuser. I will not be walking around with a default position that believes that everyone is against me and something bad is about to happen. So I need to second guess every single person and no longer live in a place of trust. That's called hopelessness. Come on. You know, it's easy to live in hope when things are peachy king. You know, but it's actually in the midst of a difficult moment where your values get tested, where you find out how much some, how valuable something is to you. Because when things get difficult, we're very quick to sell what we said was valuable when things were easy. If you have no peace when things get chaotic, that means you sold your peace and it was really cheap, which means it wasn't that meaningful to you. And so things that are worth something, we fight for. And, and, and the sense that we contend for it, we stand for it. And, and, and the things that we need to stand for um, are, are right here. This is the list. This is what we stand for. This is what we contend for. This is what we need to be motivated by. And it's important for us as a community to lock our hearts, to lock our arms you know, there are Democrats and Republicans in the room right now. I know. I have a general idea about how a lot of you guys voted. You guys have communicated with me. People shared with me. And I generally, I, we are a community of people who have diverse opinion politically. And I bless every single one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to vote how you need to vote. And I ask you to stand for the kingdom of God. And I ask us to be a united house for the kingdom of God. Some real talk here. Someone's got to model this and show that the kingdom is bigger than political agenda. Come on. What's going to govern our behavior when things get a little bit ramped up? Is fear going to lead you? Or are these internal controllers given to us of love, joy, peace, goodness, mercy, self-control. These are the things that Jesus said. Ultimately, it's what he modeled and what he said would, would lead us to him in a new way. And so we've kind of talked about this, and this is kind of where I'll, where I'll close. We've, we've, we, we've definitely have trained on this. And we're going to elevate it as a higher priority. And it's, that, and it's this. It's that the gifts of God that you have, the, spirit, the, the gifts of the Spirit of God, are needed more today than they've ever been. And so we need to understand how we can get work done for the kingdom of God to the benefit of our nation through the gifts of the Spirit. Come on. We need a higher revelation of how the prophetic can move in the nation right now because all I've seen so far from the prophets is hyper leverage of the only thing God wants to say is, is talk about politics. And I don't care if the prophet is wrong or right. 
I just look at the sample size of how does a whole prophetic movement only prophesy about politics for six months? How does that happen? How did we get so distracted that it's the only thing we think God's talking about? Like, that blows my mind away. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's this idea, though, that there, there's, there are roots within the prophetic movement where God is wanting to reestablish some things. And, and so he's wanting to confront some things where we've made, had competing commitments in the movement of the prophetic. And, uh, and so there's a need for us to understand that there is an invitation to use these tools for the benefit of all. And these tools have to be understood from that standpoint. We need words of knowledge that are beneficial for all. We need prophetic words that are profitable for all. We need miracles that are profitable for all. Come on. We need discerning of spirits unlike ever before that are profitable for all right now. Come on. We need interpretation. We need the Daniel anointing and the Joseph anointing right now, greater than any other time right now. But it cannot be for my benefit. And that's where people lose it on, on the gifts of the Spirit is that it no longer becomes profitable for all the moment I'm doing it to protect myself, to build myself only. It's like, you know, that's why we've gotten away from the man and woman of God thing. I love that. You know, you know the thing where everyone is like in the room and they're looking at one person? And they're just hoping that that one person will just touch them, Scott. I mean, if that person, oh, if that person could just touch me, then my life will be changed. That's like idolatry. Right? And, 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 then, and then what it sets it up as is that that person is, is, is put on this high-level pedestal, and, and it, this is tension-filled, right? Because I'm a traveling speaker as well. And so I know the tension of this. I know the responsibility of having to be the person in a room that was on a flyer and everyone decided to show up because they think something good's going to happen. And I have to manage the tension of that expectation and make sure that I, I let them leave more powerful than what they came in. Meaning that I'm not the source of their power. That's a big responsibility. But in the old model, that person gets up and what do they get to do? They get to prophesy very specific words that lead them to their resource table. They, <laughs> it's true. They get to prophesy very specific words so people start to intern for them. You know, if you just follow me, if you just quit your job and start working for me for free, I'll train you and I'll disciple you. Yeah. There's been a lot of interesting things. When, when power is centralized, it will always be abused. That's why you need a decentralized system. Cryptocurrency. <laughs> this is on the podcast. Sorry, everybody. We're making jokes here. Um, and so there is a, there's a need for us to understand how to make sure that when we move in the gifts of the Spirit, that it is profitable for all. To me, that's a non-negotiable. And I have an expectation and a responsibility. I place myself under that responsibility. And I expect you guys to do the same. Because I think this is what we've been getting ready for. is to know how to govern our internal world at a level where we're not led by emotions, but we're led by the Spirit, that then when we use our toolbox, it's profitable for all. Your nature is the Spirit, and your nurture are the gifts. 
Your nature is the fruit. Your nurture are the gifts. And we need both of these things. There's people in, in a lot of camps. There's some people who are so principally driven that all they want to do is have the fruit. And then there's some people who are so, you know, say, mystery-driven that all they want are the gifts. And, you know, we've got more of the fundamental side of Christianity. We've got the more of the charismatic side. How many know we need fruits and nuts? We need fruits and nuts. Okay, it's a balanced diet. <laughs> and so the same passion that we as a charismatic community have gone after the gifts, I want to make sure that we're also going after the fruit. We need the fruit. We need that in our lives. And so uh, the, the thing I want to leave you with here is, um, it's just I believe we need to lift our expectations about what we believe is possible when we operate in our gifts and they're profitable for all. Let's just think about this. You see, the, the, your ability to govern your internal world will magnify your capacity to bring change and transformation into the world through the gift. Meaning the higher revelation on fruit, the bigger and stronger your gift is. Does that make sense? And, and, the, and the, the more, the, the bigger the fruit, the larger the source, the larger the place that, that the, the gift comes from, it will become more profitable for more people. And so I think we need to begin to lift our expectation about what's possible through my life when I'm sourced by love, when I'm sourced by goodness, when I'm sourced by the fruit of the Spirit, when I'm sourced by mercy and, 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 and goodness and self-control, when I'm sourced from there and then I begin to operate in my gift of the Spirit, what's possible in that moment? And, I, and we're going to need real solutions in 21. We needed them in 20. We're going to need them again in 21. And, and, and I think we have to, by faith, increase our belief about what's possible through our lives for everyone around us. God's love for you is for you, but God's favor on you is for everyone around you. Let us be reminded. So I just think there's a divine invitation here. For us to be focused and, and to make sure that we are setting ourselves up to succeed in the midst of an unstable and an unknown time. Yeah? Because we know the end of the story. We know God comes back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. So we, we, we know Jesus isn't returning tomorrow. There's a few more wrinkles. Got a few wrinkles we got to iron out here. Come on. Few spots. We need some Holy Ghost Clorox here. Bleach. We got to work on that. We got some work to do. We're better today. We're in the right direction. We got some things we need to overcome. You were made for this moment. You were made for this season. You were made for this era. And I tell you what, there's never been a time in the history of the church that I can see of, and I've looked back, where people really believed that the gospel and preached and empowered people. They might that the gospel was a solution for the world's greatest problems. Everything's always been separated in the sense of faith need to be separate from society or faith was used to control people in society. And so we need an empowering message of the gospel that allows us to be amplified as a solution into the world. You're a solution for your family. 
You're a solution for your neighborhood. You're a solution for your workplace. You're a solution for your spouse. You're a solution for you know, the person you disagree with. And that's going to be possible when we devote our life to live from the, the fruit of the Spirit so that then when we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, it's truly profitable for all. Is this resonating in your heart? Is this making sense? Is this clear? I want it to be clear. Um, this is a year of planting, and, uh, and, and, and I want you guys to stand with me here right now. And Heidi, would you mind coming up to the keyboard real quick? That would be great. So, you know, last week I shared a word with you that was very prophetic in nature about the year. And, you know, and I don't feel the need to tell you what I think is everything that's going to happen um, what I shared with you last week is really my anticipation for how I'm going to live my life over the next 12 months. And if you remember out of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, it says, you know, the, the wind would come in the sky. You'd see the wind and you'd see the cloud. And the sower has to make a choice about whether or not they'll sow in the midst of adverse conditions, right? The sower throws its seed, right? So if the wind is blowing, you throw your seed, it can go wayward. You know, if the cloud's coming, it can... It can um, it can uh, ruin your seed because it's too much moisture sitting in the field, right? And so, and so the sower has to make a decision. When the wind is blowing and the cloud is coming in, will it stop itself from sowing or will it know how to sow in the midst of those moments? And, and I think it's really important. I want you to know this is what I'm doing. I'm sowing in 2021. I'm sowing. Everything I do is about investment. Everything I do is about being rooted. Everything I do is about being grounded. Everything I do is about getting things in that order, and I'm going to engage what I don't understand. Now, I have a disposition that kind of sets me up to think that that's a good idea in the first place, and that helps me. Um, you know, some of you guys are, are more like stand back from a distance, understand, then engage, but I don't know that we necessarily have that luxury this year. And I think it's going to be important for us to know how to engage from a place of the nature of God, the fruit of God, and not from a place of fear. It's time to sow. There's going to be divine opportunities this year, and there's going to be divine places to uh, make ourselves available uh, for, uh, for bringing in solutions and going after um, creating these solutions and and uh, uh, these are great times of innovation that are in front of us. And if you're distracted by the challenges and the chaos, you'll lose out on the opportunity for impact. And so what does it look like for us to begin to make those choices? And, uh, you know, Heidi, would you play worthy of it all? Would that be okay? Thank you so much. As she's playing, I want you just to close your eyes. Because there's, you know, there's a few of you in the room for sure that begin to imagine your year from a place of fear this week. You begin to catastrophize. It's a snowball effect, right? We're all susceptible to it. And that no grace, grace to you. I know I had a moment this week where I had to like sit down and like just like refocus myself. Because there was a there was a spirit that was trying to get in and work its thing inside, you know, and set up a tent and stay, stay around for a little while. And I just shake it off. 
and say, I'm not going to be governed by the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to be governed by love. I'm going to be governed by joy. I'm going to be governed by peace. I'm going to be governed by goodness. I double down in this time, in this moment, in this era. I will be known for the kingdom of God. It's what I'm going to stand for. I'll be known for the kingdom. I'll be known for forgiveness. I'll be known for reconciliation. I'll be known for turning the other cheek. I'll be known for handing my cloak to my brother. I'll be known for going the extra mile. I'll be known for saying yes. I'll be known for standing with the marginalized. I'll be known. I'll be known. I'll be known for the kingdom. So here's the invitation, and it's, Father God, what do you want me to envision for my life in 2021? If my life is governed by the fruit of the Spirit, what's possible in 2021? How many people will I be able to forgive in 21? How many people will I be, be able to reconcile in 2021? How many people will I be able to give food away to in 2021? How many cloaks will I give away in 2021? How many people will I sit and hold and bring peace to their life as I hug them in 2021? Father, what's possible in your spirit?